0: So we are looking at how Jesus has taken the power of wrath and sin and law and death upon himself and taken the full force and brunt of it and the burden of it so that we are set free from these powers. You remember these powers are in Romans chapters 5, 6, 7, and 8. And we looked at uh, the power of wrath being taken away, God's judgment, God's uh, uh, abandonment of us. And uh, today we're going to look at the um, issue of sin, that Jesus has taken the power of sin. Now, you know, when you come to this one, you think to yourself, well, this has no uh, bearing on my life because I'm still in the thick of sin and struggling with addiction, and uh, there's no way I can embrace this and understand it or take it in because I know I won't uh, be able to get free from this sin right away. But we are not to look at this from a human, from, how shall I say it? We are not to look at this from the perspective of our view, but from the perspective of what God has done in Jesus Christ. And so that is enormously important for us to understand. What does it mean, then, that Jesus has taken the force of sin and overcome it? What does that mean for us? Well, listen— First of all, understand what I said ye- what I mentioned yesterday and the day before, that the spiritual realities uh, realities have psychological reactions. You remember, I put up the simple illustration of putting your hand in front of your face, and at the tip of, the, uh, of each finger is the spiritual reality, wraths in law and death. And then the first knuckle below it is the psychological reaction. And the psychological reaction, you remember, to, aban- to wrath, was abandonment, and then below that, in the next knuckle, is the emotional response that nobody loves me. Well, now, what is the spiritual, the psychological reaction to the spiritual reality of sin? You might say guilt. No, that comes in the next power that Jesus has overcome, the law. The spiritual reality of sin finds its psychological reaction in helplessness, helplessness. You say, how is that, Colin? Well, because Romans 6 talks about sin as a bondage. It's not simply something that you and I do. It's something that does us— that overwhelms us, that is a force outside of us us and beyond us and also in us, of course, because we find our human natures absolutely corrupt, broken down, unable to function properly in this world. And so sin creates a helplessness. Our mind and our spirit is not free. Now then, what has Jesus done with that? Well, it says in Romans chapter 6, verse 2, that you died to sin. Uh, Let's uh, read it. What shall we say then? How shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live in it any longer? Well, again, you say, well, Colin, again, that doesn't apply to me. There's no way I've died to sin. I'm struggling like crazy. But again, you see, that is not what the verse means. To die to sin is to end its identifying of you. That is, to die to sin means that you are no longer identified as a sinner. For Jesus Christ died as a sinner. He was not a sinner in himself. He died for the sin of the world. But he was not a sinner in himself. The judgment that Jesus took was the identification of sin and the condemnation of sin and the power of its identity so that you and I need no longer be identified as sinners. But you say, Colin, how does that help me? Well, look, when you're in an addiction... The tendency is for you to identify with the addiction itself. You've heard people go to AA and other uh, other a, um, organizations that deal with anonymous program that are anonymous programs dealing with the sin issue, and they say, "Hello, I name I'm my name's George and I'm an alcoholic." But do you know that that reinforces what you are? what you uh, are struggling with, I should say. Because, you see, you're not George and an alcoholic. You are George struggling with alcohol. But struggling with alcohol is not the same as being identified with it. In fact, your faith gradually learns to separate yourself from the identity of the struggle, whether it's a sexual struggle or a drug struggle, or an alcohol struggle, or a a food struggle, or a gambling addiction struggle. The more you disidentify with your problem, the more you will see it as something that is not attached to you. You are free to say, Lord God, I thank you that I am no longer accounted as an alcoholic or a drug addict. I struggle with drugs or I struggle with alcohol, but I am not identified with it. Now, this is something that leads you to praise and giving thanks. Father, I thank you that the urge, the struggle I feel now is not the real me. It is not whom I identify with, for my identity is in Jesus Christ. And he rose from the dead and is a a person who is not identified anymore with the sin condition. He was identified with the sin condition before he died. He died as if he were a sinner, though he was not. And he rose with a life no longer having upon it the, the sniff of sin. So you you and I, you see, are no longer identified in this particular way. Now then, can you see how this affects your sense of helplessness? What you have sensed, and uh, I've experienced it too, that when you are struggling with an addictive force, you have the desire and you immediately flow into the action. And there seems to be no decision in the process. You look back on it and you say, I don't think I even decided to do that. It just automatically flowed from desire to action. And so I am totally helpless, you say to yourself. And I grant you that you may be helpless at this point in your life in saying no to your struggle. But that helplessness is not the major kind of helplessness we're talking about. The major helplessness is the absence of thought and action in the mind. When you have a desire and it follows through with action, what's going on is that the mind is totally non-volitional, non-choosing. It is without a choice. You say, but I can't make that choice. When a desire comes, I have no desire to stop it. I can't make a choice to say no. That is correct, most likely. But what you can do is to express faith, which says, Father, this desire is not the true me. You say, Colin, I don't even have the desire for that. Then you tell God that too. You say, Lord, I have no desire to say no to this. I have no desire to identify myself in Christ. And I thank you, dear God, that that's not the true me. Even if you have to say it by rote, you say it anyway. Father, I thank you that that is the true, not the true me. And even if that doesn't work and you follow straight through with your addictive behavior, no matter, you still affirm that it is not the true you that did that. For the true you is the resurrected person in Jesus Christ that Christ accounts you. This is God's business, what he's doing with you, you see. Not your business. You must understand that God has set about saving you, not you rushing to God to save yourself. You and I have no desire to save ourselves. We're so blinded, we're so dull of mind that we cannot desire to save ourselves. But God knows reality. He is reality, and he is the one who desires to save you, and he will do it. And so let him do his job. And therefore you say, Father, I thank you that this force that is in me is not the true me. The force that is the true me is the one you have determined I shall be in Christ by resurrection when Jesus comes and my body is turned into an immortal body and this corruptible body is turned into into incorruption. And in the meantime, I will praise you that I'm counted as if I were already there. Now, I'm telling you, this kind of conversation with God, this faith conversation, will slowly weaken the drug of choice, whether it's alcohol, drugs, food, sex, pornography, whatever it may be. It will slowly weaken Because the issue, I say again, is not the weakness of your choice to say no to your addiction. The issue is whether you can say yes to faith in who Christ counts you in himself as opposed to who you feel you are in your body and mind. This is a mind-blowing reality. The real issue behind addiction— is not the drug of choice but the state of mind and the state of mind without faith is full of despair and death and fear and guilt and shame and that mind can never find freedom but the mind that says Father I have discovered who I am in Jesus and I praise you that Jesus is my righteousness Jesus is my reconciliation to you so that I'm no longer abandoned Jesus is my crucifixion so that I'm no longer identified as a sinner thank you dear God Well, you have been listening to How It Happens with Colin Cook. That's me here. And I thank you for listening today. You can listen to this broadcast any time of the day or night, by the way, on your smartphone. Simply download a free app, soundcloud.com or podbean.com and key in How It Happens with Colin Cook when you get there. Or you can go directly to soundcloud.com slash faithquest or or faithquest.podbean.com. And you can also hear the broadcast on the radio at 10 o'clock in the evening, repeated at 4 in the morning on KLTT AM 670 in the Denver and Colorado and surrounding states' areas. I'd like to appeal to you to please support the program. Please, can you consider maybe making a small donation each month, maybe $10, $5, $25, $50, or 100 The program costs $39 per 15 minutes, which is about $200 per week five days uh, per week, or, uh, what is it, 850 to $900 per month. If you would like to make a donation, thank you so much, and I do thank you for those of you who have already made donations and sent little notes. Very encouraging, it really is. Thanks so much. Send your donation then to Quest. P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160. That's FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160. Or make your donation online at faithquestradio.com. That's faithquestradio.com. Well, thanks so much for all your support. I do appreciate it, and I'll see you next time. Cheerio, and God bless.